strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Um, a lot of questions about the election, Maricopa County, election day issues with printers and with uh, ballot tabulators and door three. We've all heard this and learned probably a lot more about elections than we ever knew before. Joining us right now is Chairman of the Board of Supervisors, Bill Gates. Chairman, welcome back. Good morning. Thanks for having me, Mike. Um, long meeting yesterday. Got a little bit, I'd say more than a little bit, got contentious yesterday as people were concerned and didn't want you to certify. Can you uh, talk about the canvas, what that means, and why you certified this election? The quote in the, uh, uh, this morning was, it was safe, secure, and accurate. Yeah, so uh, that is a statutory responsibility that the Board of Supervisors has. At the end of the election, when everything's done, everything has been tabulated, uh, it then comes to us to hold a meeting where we examine that canvas, ask any questions that we have uh, of our elections folks, and of course for people to have their opportunity to come in and speak. It has to occur within 20 days of election day. So yesterday was the final day. We wanted to make, you know, to hold that that canvas hearing. We wanted to make sure we had all the information in front of us. And I'm very grateful for all the people who came yesterday to speak, several poll workers who shared their experiences. Uh, but in the end, like you said, uh, it was safe, accurate, insecure. Everyone who wanted to vote had an opportunity to vote, um, whether it was via mail, whether it was in person early or on Election Day, either by having their ballot run through the tabulator or for those who had problems with that. And we're sorry that that happened. But if people had problems with that, they had that secure option of putting it in the ballot box, which is uh, which is now known as door three. So can you explain some of the evidence that you saw that led you to the conclusion that it was safe, secure and accurate? So the evidence that we had was presented by our elections directors. First of all, we had the recorder, Richard, walk through uh, the painstaking process with early balloting. That's his piece uh, under the recorder's office with all of the signature verification that goes through to make sure those are all legal votes. And that is the key point, that every vote that was tabulated is a legal vote. So we had that confidence on early voting. And then on election day, even though we did have these issues with the printers, which we have committed as a board to doing a deep dive on that, making sure we know exactly what happened and doing everything we can to ensure that it doesn't happen again. Uh, Scott Jarrett walked us through uh, comparing the check-in. So these are the number of people who checked in with the number of votes that were actually counted and was able to establish that there was a that those were in alignment those are very important pieces of the puzzle so you put all of that together and there was a confidence that all of us had on the board and there were lots of questions one raised by the speakers but also raised by my colleagues and I to establish that this was in fact safe accurate and secure now you you have acknowledged from the beginning that there were big problems that day with the print or whatever it turns out to be, how long will it take, do you believe, will it take to look into this where you can give the people of Maricopa County accurate information on what exactly happened and who was responsible for it if there was an individual or individuals that were? 
So, Mike, not at, not sure exactly how long it's going to take. I would anticipate a month or two. We're going to bring in outside experts. We've already been taking a look at this uh, with our internal folks, but we want to bring an outside expert in so that we have those answers in plenty of time to make those changes that need to be made in the future uh, so that this doesn't happen again. We are committed as a board to that. That is our responsibility to the voters of Maricopa County. Of the candidates that were affected by this, I think uh, most people would agree that Abraham Hamaday, the uh, the candidate for, for attorney general, with only 550 votes or whatever it is separating him and Chris Mays, he would have the biggest issue because of the, what, a million and a half votes cast in Maricopa County. Has his campaign been in touch with you directly? What have you said to the, what, his campaign, or has this just been a broad statement to campaigns as a whole? I have not spoken uh, with anyone with the Hamaday campaign, but here's the beauty of our system, Mike, is now this goes to the courts. We have done the canvas. We have certified the canvas, and now it goes to the courts. We know there's already a lawsuit filed in the Hamaday case. In fact, they had the first hearing uh, in front of the judge yesterday. So I have never had a problem with people going to court. I encourage that because that's where people can go and present evidence and testimony under oath. And if a court rules that that something needs to change, uh, that there are additional votes that need to be counted or don't need to be counted, this board will, of course, respect the ruling of the court and proceed accordingly. The issue that I've had is once the courts, you know, people have exhausted that process going through the courts, it's been certified, and then people continue to relitigate old elections. That's where we really have an issue. But I I encourage everyone that that feels like they should have their day in court to go have their day in court. That's how the system works. Are you confident that the issues that happened on Election Day in Maricopa County can be fixed and that the next election cycle, the presidential election that's going to happen, which is going to be have a big turnout, can go seamlessly and smoothly? I do have that confidence, but I do want to make sure that that people understand, you know, for those who didn't run their ballot through the tabulator, it went into into that secure ballot box, door three, and those votes were counted. That is a redundancy that's been in place in Maricopa County since 1996. And the reality is the majority of Arizona counties, people who vote on Election Day, that's how they vote. They don't have a tabulator at the vote center or at the, the polling location. They put their votes into a secure ballot box, which is then counted at central count there. So that's for a majority of Arizona counties anyway. For us at Maricopa County, we are committed to providing a plethora of options and voting. And one of those is to vote in person, uh, have a tabulator counted there. But it is absolutely counts just the same if those votes were those ballots were taken into central count and counted. And that's exactly what happened here in Maricopa County in November of 2022. There are many people that are questioning both in 2020 and in 2022 the uh, the accuracy of the tabulation machines and that they can be rigged or they can be changed or they can be uh, somehow manipulated. Can you explain if that's impossible, how it's impossible? 
Yes. So this, like you said, Mike, this issue has been raised now for years, and it has been debunked over and over again by outside experts, uh, by numerous audits that have been done of these machines. And here's the bottom line. The machines are not connected to the Internet in any way. So uh, and that was established in the the agreement we reached with uh, Senator Fan to have those three IT experts look at the routers, look at everything. It's been established over and over again. Those machines are not connected to the Internet. And additionally, we have the logic and accuracy tests that take place before the the tabulators start running and after the tabulators have completed it. We did it in 2020, did it again in 2022, and showed that there was no manipulation, no malware uh, on the tabulators at all. So you don't have to believe me. Look at the evidence, look at the data, and it establishes that those machines cannot be rigged uh, and that they are running properly. And that, again, like I said yesterday, it was a safe, secure, accurate tabulation of the votes. One final thing. At the the hearing yesterday, one moment where you seemed to get the most animated was when you defended your colleagues. And you, you made a statement, something like, you can say what you want about me, but then you went on to defend your colleagues. Can you explain what you said and why you said it? Yeah, the, the point that I was making, there there have been so many allegations made about my colleagues and recorder richer over the last uh, couple of years. And that's fine. Everyone has their First Amendment right. But I want everyone to know, I wanted them to hear that at that moment. Again, I understand it's fleeting that I'm in this role as a member of the Board of Supervisors. I'm privileged to have that opportunity to speak to folks. And I wanted everyone to know the level of integrity that these five men have. I couldn't be prouder to serve with them. And I think just, you know, all the years of hearing them attacked, it was it was just my opportunity to make it very clear to everyone what what integrity, the level of integrity that these men have, they've put up with so much. I couldn't be prouder to serve with them, and I look forward to serving with them uh, for the ne- next two years as I uh, continue with my term right here on the Board of Supervisors. Chairman, it's always good to talk with you. I appreciate you being uh, willing to come on and discuss this again this morning one more time, and hopefully we can move on to 2024 now. Thanks so much, Mike. Appreciate it. All right. That is Chairman Bill Gates from the County Board of Supervisors of Maricopa County with an explanation of why he believes that these were secure and safe and accurate in Maricopa County, why they went on to certify yesterday, and also a little bit of a discussion on fixing the problems moving forward so we don't have problems with the printers or the tabulation machines. Coming up in just a moment, we're going to talk about the Supreme Court. They are going to hear a case about deportation orders and Secretary Mayorkas. All that's coming up in just a moment. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time. I want to I want to get to this in a moment. I'm going to get to the uh, Supreme Court thing, but I want to I want to follow up a couple of things. We're going to talk a little bit more about this. If you missed my interview with Chairman Bill Gates from the County Board of Supervisors, um, well, we're going to let you hear some more of this as the show goes on, because I think this is the biggest news story of the day. Maricopa County, again, certifying an election. More people angry that the elections are being certified in some cases. I understand people being upset about what happened on Election Day. I honestly do. 
If you voted on, and I don't vote on it, I didn't vote on Election Day. I went to one of the early voting centers because Election Day is such a busy work day for me. And I knew that trying to squeeze it in was going to be difficult. If I had shown up at a place where there were problems, that would have been a nightmare for me. So I, I went on Friday before the election. And, and but I will I want to just clear up a couple of things that I find interesting. Um, one of the things that I asked Mr. Gates about the chairman about was uh, was the machines, the tabulation machines and how they cannot be. They cannot be compromised. And it's important. That's an important thing, because there are many people out there that are hearing things and reading things where they believe the machines are being manipulated and how their people are trying to log in and these numbers and that number. They were never connected to the Internet. So here's my my thing about all of this. It has been proven that they were never connected to the Internet. At the same time, I was very critical of the way the audit was handled here in the state of Arizona. I was not critical of the people that wanted one. I talked about I, I have frequent guests on the show at the time was Senator Karen Fan who authorized the audit. And we I didn't agree with her. She didn't agree with me. But we maintained a very civil relationship because it wasn't personal. I wasn't going after her character. I was saying I don't think this is being done the right way. And one of the things that happened early on, if you remember, in the audit was they had servers there. They had servers on site and where they were doing the recount of the vote. The servers were connected to a router. Now, they say the router was never turned on. The router was never connected. And I believe that's true. I absolutely believe that's true. But they also had to admit optically that was a huge mistake. It looked absolutely ludicrous. That here they are complaining and questioning whether or not the voting tabulation machines and the voting equipment had been connected to the Internet because that's how people were able to backdoor the system and skew the votes. It was proven it never happened. And then they had routers, a router connected to their servers. So we are supposed to take their word for it. And we are supposed to listen to them when they say they were never connected. It was a mistake that whatever we were supposed to believe that, which we did. I believed them. I believed it just looked ridiculous. But that give and take in all of this, the it, you either agree and it's not everyone. There are a lot of people that believe that there were things that went wrong with the election that changed the results of the election that are reasonable people. And I wish more of them had a voice. Because when you have people that just there is no changing their minds, there there is no uh, compromising, there is no talking with, they're just not going to believe it. If we did a revote in Maricopa County, and I mean this very sincerely, if Maricopa County said, you know what, just to put everybody's mind at ease, we're going to do a revote. So we're going to do a revote next Tuesday. Well, if the same results happened. Do you think those people that were screaming about a, a stolen election would be satisfied? Or do you think they would say, well, we really won the first time and it changed the second time? My point is I don't believe they will ever be satisfied. And so I don't like what happened on Election Day. I'm the first to admit it, the first to say that it should never happen where those, that war, those machines aren't working properly. It's too important. But the accusation of a stolen election – the accusation that all of these people were in on a conspiracy doesn't make sense. And I'm, I'm pleading with people that now you've seen what happens when we, after 2020, we spend two years talking about an election that was, again, two years ago. We took our eye off the ball in 2022. Learn the lesson. 
Do not take your eye off the ball for 2024 because the same results will happen. I just hope it works out that way. Uh, in a moment, um, we're going to talk about uh, the, the interview I had with Kristen Bentz. She's a, she's a terrific retail analyst. We're going to talk about what she said about the economy. All that's coming up here in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Uh, appreciate you spending some time with the show this morning. I want to remind you that you can join me on December 10th. It's Saturday at the Red and Blue at the Zoo Police and Fire Appreciation Day. The first 1,000 police and fire families who come out to the zoo. It's the Wildlife zoo, Wildlife World Zoo Aquarium and Safari Park in the West Valley. It's a 303 in Northern. But the first 1,000 families that come out, it's as simple as showing your credentials that you are in law enforcement or you're a fire family. You and three guests are going to get into the zoo for free. All the rides are available for free that day. We just want to say thank you, us and the zoo. Want to thank you for the hard work you do in our community. And, so, and we want you or your kids to have such a great time as well. Go to the contest page at KTAR.com for full details. Kristen Bench joined me. Now, Kristen Bench has a company called KB Advisory Group. Kristen is a retail analyst by trade. She has spent her career, the better part of over 20 years, analyzing where the retail markets are going for big investment firms on Wall Street and other places. So she is a big deal in that industry, and she is well sought after because she is so accurate in what she predicts and what she sees. So we brought her on this morning, as we frequently do, to talk about the economy and what it really means to the average consumer. What is she seeing, and what does it mean? to you. So I asked her, what is it, what jumps out at you of what you're seeing about spending so far? Well, buy now, pay later has skyrocketed for the week of November 19th through the 25th. It was up 78%. So what that tells me is consumers want to get out there and spend while they have the money to give them more time to afford gifts for the holiday. But what they are financing has dropped about 7%. So that means the consumer is stretched. They can't pay all at one time. And what they're putting on credit or on loan, as we say, is less expensive. So that's a red flag to me over time. And that is, you know, people being cautious about spending, which I have no problem with when people do that. The issue for me, and I'm not an economist, I'm certainly not an analyst like she is, but it makes sense to me that if more and more people are running their credit higher and higher and they're putting necessities on credit, what that means is you're not keeping your head above water with, you know, with the money that you're making. You're putting it on credit, which means now you're going to pay interest on some of those things. Most people have credit cards and they use them for emergencies or, you know, they, they spend something they paid off of the points, but usually a credit card for a lot of people is an emergency. And it is if something breaks, if we have a major car repair, the AC goes out, a medical issue, someone's got a big copay for a health issue or God forbid. But when you see people having to use their credit, those two things happen. One is you no longer have that availability of an emergency. So if a bad thing happens, that could push you over the edge. Instead of it being an inconvenience, it could be the economic demise of your family. The other is that you are now paying interest on the necessities in your life when you're already not keeping your head above water. That's why you're using credit in the first place. So there's a lot going on and I'm not a doomsdayer. I hope I'll be I've said this yesterday. I'll continue to say it. I hope we avoid a recession. 
Now, Arizona is better positioned because of our economic um, stability, because of the diversification of our economy, because of our low tax base. We are better positioned, not my words, not a Republican Party talking point. These are economists across the country. Arizona is better positioned to survive a recession than anywhere than most other places in the country. That's great news. But I don't want to see any Americans suffer. I don't care what your political party is. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care about any of those things. I want to see us all succeed. We're going to continue to fight about politics anyway. We might as well do it. My grandfather used to say to me, and I'll never forget this. It's one of the ways I got my work ethic. My grandfather used to say it's easier to complain on a full stomach. Then I thought, you know what? That's absolutely true. People are, we are always going to complain, but it's a lot easier to do when your belly's full. A lot easier to do when the refrigerator has food in it. And I wish that for everyone. And I hope we avoid a recession. But what we're seeing in all of this. So I asked her because the threat is still there. I asked her about the possibility of a railroad strike. What would that do? If there's a rail strike, all bets are off. There's going to be coal in everyone's stocking. It's not going to work. It's That would be very, very, very bad for the U.S. economy, the U.S. consumer, and especially holiday. So that's the issue here is that this is going to be something the president of the United States, and we'll talk more about this as the morning goes on. The president of the United States has asked Congress to intervene to assure us that there isn't a rail strike. What's interesting, going back to 1992, a story was written. Then uh, Senator Biden back in 92 was in support of a rail strike. And he has shown himself, he, he declared himself, and I believe he's shown himself to be the most pro-union president we've ever had. And I believe he is that, which is what concerns me about people that want to strike. But now at least the White House is saying we have to avoid this because it's a national security issue. And it is really, really tough. So she talked about a bifurcated market and what exactly that means and how it, it is even more divided than it's been in a long time. The market is bifurcated, which is, you know, a fancy word for barbell shaped, right? So you have a very large, low-end consumer faction. They're seeking deals. They're spending money early. They're putting a lot of things on credit. They're using layaway. And then you have your high-end consumer that is flush with cash. They're doing a little bit of revenge buying. They want the luxury goods and they're probably propping up you know the u.s economy so when you look at all of this together um and you see that what you you've got the haves and the have-nots i am a lot more concerned about the have-nots and what i mean by that is we understand i understand how the world works we all strive to be financially secure now there are those people that want to be wealthy that's that's a great goal if that's your goal but for most people it's financial security the one thing lack of money does is give you worry because you can't make mistakes because mistakes cost money and when you don't have money one mistake could could tumble the whole house. And I don't want to see that for everyone. So when you're looking at people that are middle income, lower income people, and they're out there trying to do their best, these decisions that are being made about our economy from outside sources, and there's one, there's a story I have in front of me that I'm not going to go too deep into right now. I'm going to in a little, a little later in the show, is that People in New England are paying outrageous amounts of money for heating oil for uh, to heat their homes. And in the story, it says that Washington could fix a big part of this with a stroke of a pen. The idea that policy in Washington is not 
do having any effect on this is a false narrative. That's where my that's where the politics of this comes in. I genuinely it is sure I am a Republican. So there's times that it's right versus left, but it's also right versus wrong. I want to see people thrive and survive. And we're not seeing a lot of thriving right now on people that are lower income or middle income. They are being priced out because of inflation. The wage gains that they've made are not helping them because inflation has outpaced that. We've got to do something. We have to find a way to get around that. What we're going to do in a moment is uh, talk about COVID. Now, there's something that was written in a story about COVID. And the reason why I want to talk about this is because shutdowns in China affecting the supply chain again, protests in China, biggest Tiananmen Square. But here at home, one of the statistics they are now touting that we've been talking about for a long time. But will it change how we approach things? That's what we'll talk about next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, I appreciate you spending some time with the show, as always. Um, been talking about COVID, it seems like, for years and years and years. And um, I, I just, I, I still laugh at the divide that's happened in America over COVID-19. And here's a headline that I can't believe is a headline. COVID deaths skew older, reviving questions about acceptable loss. Um, the reason why I laugh at that is we keep hearing there's no loss that's acceptable, but it's not a headline that COVID deaths skew older. It has been people over the age of 65, far and away, and it's not even close, that are dying of COVID-19, not just in Arizona, but everywhere else. My problem with all of this has been... The way we handled it, I've talked about the overreaction. There was an overreaction when I was a kid when the HIV virus was out. And so I know it's not a direct connection, and I'm also aware of the different ways that the two viruses are spread. But hear me out. There was an overreaction to HIV. It became AIDS and was a death sentence. In the early days of HIV, it was a death sentence. So there were big overreactions that happened. Um, police officers showing up to crime scenes in full hazmat gear. Um, I've talked about this at great lengths. How crime scenes are cleaned up, how things are disposed of, how hospital workers were um, were doing things. You know, in an emergency room situation, not only did they have full hazmat gear on and masks, they had shields to make sure that no blood or bodily fluid got anywhere near them. And, and, and things were easing or have eased as more information came out about that virus. When we saw how it was spreading and when we learned who were the most um, at-risk groups, which were intravenous gr- drug users and unprotected sex, especially men, then we went to those groups. It was Hollywood. It was everyone. When public service announcements, they didn't tell everybody else you're safe. Don't worry about it. What they did was they went to the groups that were most at risk and said, you have to change your behavior and you have to protect yourself. What we did with COVID-19 was demonize anybody that said, listen, I'm going to take care of myself. You take care of yourself. No, you're killing people and you should lose your job and you should lose your children. And if you don't think that masks are effective, you're a tinfoil hat wearer. And how dare you talk about alternative treatments and ivermectin? How would you a horse dewormer? And it didn't matter that billions of times that prescription had been prescribed for other issues in human beings. It was all of a sudden you are demonized, you are marginalized. 
You are a crazy person. Now, again, I want to say for full disclosure, I got vaccinated. I got boosted. I wore a mask where I was asked to wear a mask. I just did it. I just went along with the program because I didn't want to fight about it. But I certainly wasn't going to get angry at people that didn't agree that it was an effective way to treat this or handle this. So to go back to the headline, this is, again, where we had an overreaction that it took us way too long to respond to. The overreaction was how we treated children. Give you a couple of examples before I get to school. The city of Phoenix shut down the parks and shut down the playground equipment at parks once they opened the parks up. Couldn't use the picnic tables, couldn't use the playground equipment. Where was the safest place? Now, science proved this. Where was the safest place to be when it came to COVID-19? Outside. Remember Thanksgiving that people were like, hey, forget this. We've been locked down for far too long and separated. We're having Thanksgiving. Where did they say you should have dinner? Outside. Everybody should eat outside. It's safer outside. What did the city of Phoenix do? Shut down the parks. They even parked vehicles at the entrances on Easter Sunday so that families could not get into the park. They paid people, I guarantee you, double time on a Sunday to park and block the entrances to parks, which were the safest place we should be. When the data changes, we have to morph our behavior, and we didn't. Then you go into the school system. Go into the school system and look what happened. The schools didn't open. They locked them down and look at what happened to learning. Look at how things, look what happened to learning. Reading skills and everything else. Well, I'll tell you one of the things that really wasn't publicized but should have been. uh, The East Valley Institute of Technology, EVIT, which I talk about quite a bit, they opened up. They opened up and they spent a lot of money. And I don't know if it was a million bucks, but it was a lot of money, at least close to a million dollars in precaution. They did a poll of the faculty. They did a poll of the student body and their parents. And they decided that in order to do what they do, which is a hands-on approach to teaching children a trade or a skill, that in order for these kids to stay on track, they needed to be open for business. So they took precautions and they opened up. And guess what happened? Those kids not only survived, they thrived. Those kids did very, very well. No, no one wants to talk about that because it was it, it flew in the face of what standard education was saying. Now, they weren't doing this to kind of give education the finger. What they were saying is we're looking at the data, we're looking at the science, and we're looking at what's best for these kids overall, and we believe this is the best course of action. So instead of public education looking at that and saying, you know what, they're on to something here. Maybe they were right about this. Maybe if we take some of these same precautions, we can open up our schools. Maybe we should follow what they're doing. Instead, they were still seen as an outlier by many people, taking too many risks. Well, they didn't. What they did was they saved an educational year or maybe more for some of these kids in these CTED programs. And so we overreacted, which is fine. Nobody begrudges an overreaction when something first happens. But as data comes in, you have to change. And when somebody's doing something that works, you should follow suit. And we still haven't. There are still discussions about masks and shutdowns in the public school system. And they're not, this is by far and away. Now the media is even saying a virus of the elderly. And I just hope people push back and just look at the real data and say we need to morph and change. Coming up just after 10 o'clock, Maricopa County says the elections were safe, secure and accurate. If you didn't catch my interview with Bill Gates, you're going to hear part of it coming up in just a moment.